five, four, three, two, one. Welcome. You have entered the Kai Corso Experience. What's going on, Connie Corso fam? It's your boy, Johnny Doe, coming at you with another installment of the Connie Corso Experience podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Connie Corso related. We talk about health, we talk about fitness, we talk about them being your best friends, we talk about training, behavior, we talk about them coming up and sniffing your butt for no reason. Okay, we don't talk about that, but that that did happen to me. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um... So uh, let me get into my disclaimers here. I'm not a professional trainer. I'm not a professional behaviorist. I'm not a vet. I'm not a nutritionist. Why do you have a podcast then, Johnny Doe, about Connie Corsos if you're not a professional? Because this is why. It's called the Connie Corso Experience because it's about the experience of having a Connie Corso. And I love sharing that experience with everyone out there. Think of me as... Uh, as somebody that's going through the same stuff as you. I'm not above you. I'm beside you, okay? And sometimes I'm even behind you. There's many listeners that I have that I've seen their pages. I've gone on uh, social media and they do a much better job than I do at training, okay? So this isn't about me being the best. This is about me articulating and facilitating conversations about this great breed of dog, the Cane Corso. So um, we're going to change gears just a little bit. Okay, just a little bit. Um, and I'm going to kind of tailor what I'm talking about um, to one of the listener questions that I have, because I think it's, it's, it's more of a overarching, um, let me put it to you this way. I want to get philosophical with you people. When I say you people, I don't mean like you people. <laughs> okay, you know, I'm just rolling with it. I'm not even going <laughs> to stop it. And Okay, let's get serious. All right. Um, I want to get philosophical with all my listeners out there because you have to understand um, certain things to be able to accomplish other things, okay? And I'm going to get into it, so just, you know, cool your jets. Um, I will explain. I have been thinking about this a lot. I've been thinking about me and the type of person I am. And this podcast, I don't make about me. I... Johnny Doe is not even my real name. It's an it's an alias for the podcast because I have zero. I will say again, zero interest in being famous, infamous. Uh, people know me. I don't. I would not have a social media if it wasn't for this kind of stuff. I don't care about that. I I think it's a big waste of time. I just have zero interest. So I don't want to talk about myself. But I think it's. It's extremely important for us to understand where we come from 
and knowing that based on our history, might impact our behaviors, how we raise our kids, how we live our life. And it's also going to impact how we raise our dogs and how we train our dogs. So um, what I'm getting at is if you don't have certain attributes, certain values, characteristics, ethics, if you will, it might be difficult for you to do certain things when it comes to dog training. So I'm going to back way up when I was a kid. I grew up uh, in the Midwest and I am, I, I am a product of divorce. Um, my parents got divorced when I was five. And so me and my family, uh, sibling, mother, had to move in with my grandparents uh, to get back up on our feet. And I lived with my grandparents for about nine years till I was about 14 or 15. Um, and in that time, I would say my grandparents uh, did a lot of raising me, especially my grandfather, in the sense of just showing me an example of who to be. My grandfather fought in World War II. He also fought in the Korean War or served during the Korean War and also went to Vietnam. So um, you can imagine the type of upbringing in the sense of characteristics, discipline, attributes that that generation that was born really during the Depression, grew up during the Depression. Uh, those people um, were a different breed. Now, for all of my Listeners that are not in the United States, uh, the Great Depression in the United States in the 1930s. Um, if you grew up during that period, um, you were you you don't you you would not be able to relate to the people of today that have cell phones in their pockets and eating fast food and driving nice cars and they're in debt and they're broke. Some of them are even poor. I mean, you you can live pretty well in America uh, with, and you it's it's hard to tell who's who has stuff and who doesn't. Um, I had a niece that was on food stamps and at the same time had the newest iPhone. <laughs> it was really weird, um, but I digress. My grandfather grew up during the Depression, and uh, I know that molds what type of person that you're going to be later in life, and then of course. Uh, right out of high school, went to World War II, fought for his country, um, and served in the military for 22 years, um, and then later worked blue-collar job until um, he retired. And that's the man who raised me. Um, that was the representative that I had as a strong male role model growing up. My grandfather didn't cuss. He didn't drink. Um, I cuss all the time. But I don't drink. Uh, I I am not a. I don't partake in alcohol uh, or drugs or cigarettes or anything like that. And it's not because I'm above it uh, per se. It's not a religious thing. It's I just choose not to. I see that stuff as a distraction, and I see it as a result of lack of discipline in many cases. Not that you can't enjoy it. My wife enjoys um, a glass of wine on on many nights, and I don't care. I I I have nothing against that. I do have something against um, 
if you can't control it and it becomes a detriment to your life. Um, and I'm a big believer in trying to um, be as disciplined as you need to be, I guess, is the, is the, the phrase that I'm trying to use is um, I am definitely not the most disciplined person in the world. Um, I'm not the most accomplished person. I'm not like crazy in shape. I'm not, you know, crazy healthy. I'm not, you know, have crazy financial freedom or anything like that. I'm just a regular dude. Okay. I got a mortgage. I got a car payment. Um, you know, I got credit card bills, uh, but I live a good life. And I know that um, a lot of my blessings have been bestowed because of the one thing that my grandfather really, uh, really um, imparted in me is uh, work ethic and just being responsible. Um, and later in life, I explored many things, religion, philosophy. I'm a big philosophy nut. Um, I'm into art history and art and philosophy, especially um, when you look at uh, like the Renaissance times. Um, there was many artists that were also philosophers. <clears throat> and um, so I got really, you know, heady into that stuff in my 20s and really trying to figure out who I was and what direction I wanted to go. And I, and I kind of went away from uh, discipline and structure, but I still had that core there. You know, when you're in your early 20s, you want to go kind of the opposite direction of your upbringing sometimes. But I always came back to it. I always defaulted to it. But I discovered um, something in my 30s. I'm in my mid, well, <laughs> late 40s now. <laughs> in my 30s, um, it's called taking responsibility. And what um, what that teaches you at the time that I discovered it is that the world is full of problems. There's, the world is full of people that will make certain choices that could impact your life. There are entities out there and governments and organizations, no matter if it's the police, uh, state laws, taxes, you know, that stuff impacts your life, right? But if you're responsible, it, ha it can have very minimal impact. And one of the philosophies that I adhere to now is what I call extreme ownership. And I, and I stole that from a guy named Jocko Willink, who's a retired Navy SEAL, who has a podcast, one of my favorite podcasts. And he wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. And really, I adopted that as a philosophy. And, and basically what that philosophy is for me is... Even if you can point the finger at somebody else, you have little to no control over what that other person does, but you really do have 100% control over your own actions. So why not worry about that first? So if I'm at a dog park and somebody is just acting stupid with their dog and they have not trained their dog right and they're doing dumb stuff and 
and that impacts my dog or me, it's very easy for me to point the finger and blame. And you've probably heard me talk about that on this podcast before. And it's, I'm not saying you're wrong in doing that, but at some point you have to um, kind of go back and kind of reset and say, okay, that happened. What can I do to impact that? Because I cannot change that person. I can't train that dog for that person. What can I do? What should I have done different? What should I, um, should it be a preventative thing? Is there something I can do in this situation or can I avoid this situation? Now, in 2021, there's a term that is used a lot and it's called victim blaming. Where to me, those two things, extreme ownership and victim blaming, aren't the same thing, but sometimes they get misconstrued. So someone could say, um, someone's paralyzed from a car wreck and someone say, well, you should have wore your seatbelt. And someone would say, well, that's victim blaming. And I would agree if the person's not like permanently disabled, let's say they came came out unscathed or they got injured but recovered and then you would later say, hey, you got to take responsibility. None of that would have happened if you were wearing your seatbelt. Because um, being a victim many times is based on our choices. Now, I understand there's random things that happen all the time. There's lots of things that are completely out of our control. But what I'm talking about is taking personal accountability and and having extreme ownership to say, in every situation, what can I do to prevent certain things that I do not want to happen? Undesirable things situations, how do I avoid them? How can I prepare myself for them? So if I live by that credo and I live by that philosophy, then it's going to make certain things that I do when I'm training my dog and I'm trying to figure out certain Uh, issues or solutions that might not occur to other people. So I'm at an advantage in many ways to somebody that wants to blame everybody else. And I know those people exist. You know that they exist because you see them. You talk to them. They're on social media. They always want to blame someone else first. And I'm not saying that there aren't other people to blame. What I'm saying is what you should always do first is take personal responsibility for what actions that you're doing. So I always look at my life kind of like how the insurance institution, uh, auto insurance institution is here in America, where if you've ever been in a car wreck, they always try to assess a certain, like who is at fault. And if you've noticed, they never put 100% fault on any uh, one person. If there's two parties involved, they don't say it's 100% this person's fault and 0% this person's fault. Why? Well, even if it's 90-10, 
if you never would have picked up your keys, got in your car and drove down that road, that wreck would have never happened. So you play some part because that accident would not happen without you being present. So they have to assess a certain percentage. Is it 10%? Is it 5%? Is it 1%? Is it 0.01%? Is it 50%? Who knows? The point is that you should start with that. Not finish with that. You should start with what could I have done different in this situation? If the answer is nothing, then then be honest with yourself and you can move on. But that's where we go wrong in our lives, in our relationships, in raising our kids, in being the best husband or wife, being the best mother or father, being the best employee, and being the best dog trainer and dog companion that we can be as well is we're not taking responsibility. We're doing that maybe later down the road and we're trying to blame other factors first. So why I bring this up is because I I got a listener asking me a question about a, a very reactive dog that he has. I think he said he's like six months old. <clears throat> And I was giving him some tips, and he assured me that that there were certain things that were being done, um, and yada, yada. And then he later came back and said, yeah, I'll be honest with you, um, you know, he was, he got hit with a hurricane that was not too long ago. Um, he couldn't spend the time with his dog that he usually does. He was in different places. It was, you know, I'm sure he was stressed out. I'm sure that stresses the dog out. There was so many other factors that you can legitimately blame. But see, here's the point. He wasn't necessarily blaming those other factors. When he responded, he said, yeah, you're right. I, 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 I probably wasn't as structured and disciplined as I haven't been in the past, and I need to get back to that. There's a reason why I haven't, but I'm going to take that responsibility and know that I need to change that. That's magical. That's magical because that is the source of your problem, is you. It's always you. And I say that because when I'm at the dog park and somebody's dog attacks Romulus, I can choose next time not to go or to avoid that person, or leave when that person gets there. But instead, we, as just human beings, we will stay there and we want to fix that person. Get that person not to be there anymore. I want that person to leave. You need to train your dog. You need to fix this. I've been there. I still do it to this day. It's an ever-going management thing. You're never perfect. You're, it's always a, life is about being a manager, Okay is you're managing certain problems. You're not eradicating them, eliminating them. That's almost impossible to do. You are just managing a set of problems and trying to keep them from overtaking your life for the most part. So when I do that, I always try to catch myself. And I do a lot better now than I did you know, 10, 15 years ago. But I say, what can I do? Is there something, even if it's 10%, they're 90% the problem, I'm 10%. Well, let me work on that 10%. 
Let me work on that 10% first. But we don't. And I'm not going to get political because that's not what this show's about. That's not what this podcast is about. But you see that across the board in just the world right now, especially America, where everyone starts with blaming someone else and not taking any personal responsibility. And I'm telling you, it would solve almost 100% of the world's problems if people started with personal responsibility and ownership of their own problems and tried to impact that first. Because that does one of two things. One, it you know solves that portion of the problem that you can control. And two, it makes you a little bit more empathetic toward that other person because you've already seen the errors that you were making and maybe you're going to better understand that that person is, is, is human just like you. So it's extremely important that we do that, especially when we're training our dogs, is we have to take ownership and say, okay, my dog's not acting right. How can I fix it? You know, you hear me talk about, well, Rami didn't have the best genetics, which is true. He doesn't. But I can do two things. One, I can use that as an excuse every single time that he's reactive. Or I can say, that is true, but it does not absolve me of my responsibility to try to make him the best version of him that he can be. And that's what I choose to do. I'm acknowledging the fact that his genetics are flawed, but I also have to acknowledge that it's not just nature, it's also nurture. That he can't ever get to 100%, but I bet I can get him pretty close. And let's see. Take that personal responsibility. There's a saying that I have that I use in the military all the time uh, when my soldiers make a mistake. I say, that's a pretty good excuse. That's not a reason. There's a difference between an excuse and a reason. Yeah, that's a great excuse why you were late. Not a good reason. Because in the military, they tell you to be early for everything. So if you run into traffic, you get a flat tire, whatever else, well, that's a good excuse. But you were able to still get here on time because you thought ahead, you were early, you planned for that contingency. All that, that, it's that mindset that you have to have when you're training a dog like a Connie Corso. It's a responsibility that you have with any large breed dog, in my opinion. And really any dog that is going to interact in the public, you do the best you can. Doesn't mean that issues won't come up. You do the best you can though. And the only way you can do that is to be self-reflective and say, what can I fix? And I know you guys are already like that or you wouldn't be even listening to this podcast. But why I wanted to start with that kind of that that philosophical, um, the belief system that's the core of who I am as a human being 
It's very important because that's always where I'm going to start with every single problem when someone addresses, I'm having this problem with my Conic Corso. It's always, what can you do? And when people start with, I need to find a trainer, I need to get this magical training tool, i.e. prong collar or um, magic leash or pixie dust that's that I can sprinkle on their food and all of a sudden that they're healthy and happy and that's all great. But at some point, you have to, if you're going to implement any of those things into your training, you got to take that personal responsibility first of addressing your behaviors, your training style, and start with the acknowledgement of are you providing the needs for your dog? Not the wants, the needs. Because you will, just like this listener who said, I'm having all these problems, all he did, now, he didn't solve them to my uh, to my understanding, but they've gotten remarkably, remarkably better in just a few days just by going back to the basics that he already knew. And all I did was just present some things to him, and I think a light bulb went off. Yeah, you're right. Some I wasn't as structured and disciplined. He had a good excuse, but it's not a reason. Okay. I understand. I mean, he was telling me he's waiting in gas lines, you know, for his generator. I, I get all that. Okay. I'm in the military. I completely understand all that stuff. I have sacrificed a lot in my almost 15 years of military service. So I, I understand that you can't always do everything. You know, when I, if I had to leave for a year and my, family is still back home. I still have to try to be the best, you know, son, husband, you know, whatever that I can be, even though I'm in a different situation. So like I said, it's a good excuse. It's not necessarily a good reason. So we have to always take that accountability. And it doesn't mean you're not allowed to make mistakes. It just means you take ownership of that. Say, yeah, that's on me. I need to fix this. And once you do that, it's empowering. See, you have it. You, it's the opposite of empowerment when you blame someone else because you are then giving up that ground that you have no control over it. This person did this to me and I can't fix it. But when you start with this happened with this person and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to keep that from happening, you take that all the power away from that person because now I don't need that person to do anything. All I need to do is make different decisions and that's empowerment. And I want to enable and empower every single person that's on the other end of this microphone. I want you empowered to understand that if you can be confident with your dog, you can have structure, you can have discipline, you can accomplish all those goals that you set you will see some of that bleed into your other parts of your life because that discipline and structure, it gets to be addictive. You start seeing that, hey, this makes me confident to do other things as well. 
and you can start applying some of those other principles to your life because it's very hard to be disciplined in structure in one part and not other parts. It's going to bleed over at some point because for me to be structured with my dog, I have to be structured with my life because if I say I walk him every morning at 6 a.m., well, I got to get up at 6 a.m. Well, I shouldn't say that, 5.30 because it takes me about 30 minutes. to. Get, I'm old. So it takes me about 30 minutes to get going. I got to have a cup of coffee. I kind of have to wake up a little bit, splash water on my face, get dressed, and then I take him out. But so it makes me disciplined for that. So even if like today, I didn't have to walk him at six in the morning. I still got up at six in the morning. I didn't walk him till about eight, to be honest. But I still got up because I'm still used to that. So if you are structured in when you're feeding them, when you're bathing them, when you're playing with them, when you're walking them, then you have to be structured with other things in your life to make sure that those other things butt up to that time and that you're giving time to your dog. And make no mistake, everything gets exponentially easier if you start with discipline and structure and you provide the needs to your dog. If your dog is getting the proper exercise, the proper nutrition, and the the proper, not love and affection, we call it pack leadership. Yes, love and affection is in there, but you have to be a strong leader. Your dog doesn't need hugs. It doesn't need kisses. I love kissing my dog and hugging my dog more than anybody. They don't need that. They need structure and discipline and strong pack leadership. If you can give that to them, they will be open to receiving love and they're going to want to be around you and they're going to want to please you. And more than anything, when you have to go to work, you have to go spend time with your kids, you have other things to do, they're going to be good because you've already fulfilled those needs and they can relax. They don't have to be stressed because they know after a certain amount of time that structure and discipline tells them that they're going to get fed at a certain time. They're going to get walked at a certain time. They're going to get played with at a certain time because those things are always there. So you don't have to, um, like if I come home at a weird time, my dogs don't have the expectation of I mean, they get excited to see me, but they go right back to whatever they were doing before I got there. But if I come home right at lunchtime when they I normally feed them, they know what time it is and they're ready. They're ready to eat. This Wednesday, I'm going to be gone. I'm, I'm traveling. So here's the excuse. My dog is not going to eat lunch like it normally does because he's... I'm going to leave early in the morning and no one's coming home till my wife gets home from work at like 4.30, five, almost 5 o'clock. That entire time, he's going to be home, him and my his bulldog brother are going to be home by themselves. So I can look at it as, well, I have an excuse. Or I can say, I got to take personal ownership and responsibility and say, that's not the reason why I can't take care of them. I can get up earlier take him on a longer walk, feed them before I leave. Change a few things 
but those needs must be provided for to the best of my abilities. So if a hurricane hits your house and knocks your power out and you have to have a generator that you have to keep filled with gas, that's a pretty darn good reason, right? To, to, to not be able to spend a lot of time with your dog. But that's why you have to go through those steps to say, okay, is there any way I can still accomplish this and still do what I need to do for my dog? And if the answer is no, then the answer is no. But at least you are being honest about the situation. But if you're not being honest with the situation, you're making excuses, you're gonna, it's gonna impact you because that is a habit that will keep happening. Don't give yourself an excuse. I walk Romulus, even if I gotta get up at four in the morning, even if it's negative 20, I still walk him. There's times that I can't, and I've I've said it on this podcast. There's a couple times I was really sick and I couldn't even get out of bed. And if my wife couldn't do it, then I had to figure out other solutions to try to get his energy out. But you got to be honest and take responsibility, take ownership, and see what you can do. So by no means am I, uh, is this anything against my listener that said, um, you know, he, he was going through a lot of stuff in his life and it's understandable. But what I'm saying is if you take ownership, you will identify what the problem actually is. And then when you have time to correct it, you will. Because there's nothing worse than trying to correct a problem and not even understanding what the problem was. So the solution is going to be flawed. You have zero chance, zero chance of fixing a problem if you don't address what the problem is first. So that's the big thing that I want. I wanted to to really reiterate to all of you Connie Corso owners, potential owners, new owners, old owners, ones that have five Connie Corsos or ones that have one like myself. You got to have some discipline, some structure, some pack leadership to get the most out of this breed and get the most out of your life with your dog. Because my number one goal is always companionship. And I do, you know, uh, training with my dog and bite work with him and, and uh, exercise with him and, you know, fetch with him and all that other stuff. And that all is, is bonding time. And that enhances my personal relationship with my dog. So I want you guys to think about where you came from, your upbringing, your ethics, your morals, and understand if you are someone that makes excuses and blames other people first, it might be difficult to uh, address certain problems with your dog. 
Because you're constantly going to be looking outside for something to fix your, your problem. Someone else. And it's convenient. It's easy. Because you can go through your entire life just saying, it's not my fault. Somebody else didn't do their part. Well, spoiler alert, there's always someone to blame. And there's always someone that's not doing their part. But that someone can never be you. And I can tell you right now, if you adopt that philosophy of taking personal responsibility, nothing is unattainable with your dog. If that means I don't have the ability to do this, I need someone else, that's taking responsibility. Have that person show you what right looks like and work with that person. Understand what your limitations are. And when it doesn't work, keep exploring and saying, okay, it's still a deficiency in me. I need to try to figure out the solution to this. So that's what I, you know, I I really got thinking about this when I was uh, talking with this person. Um, I think it's Adrian. I can't remember his name. Uh, I have my social media open in front of me. But, um, You know, he took responsibility and and sounds like that he has a great relationship with his dog. His dog was having some issues because his dog's still young and, and, and you, you can get away with certain things when your dog is three, four, five years old and you might slack off on certain things. But when they're a puppy, it's, it's, it's rough. Just like when you're a parent and your kids are small. Any deficiency is, is going to be, um, you know, times three you know, when it comes back at you because, you know, they're, they're, they're still in those formative years. When your kid's 25, you can make some mistakes, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're a little bit more concrete at that point. So it got me thinking, we, we all need to remind ourselves that the key lies within us, and that's power. I feel like I'm a powerful person, not because I'm an infantryman, not because I I went to war, not because I can, you know, box or or, or do jujitsu, not because I lift weights or have a mean demeanor, voice. That's not power, okay? None of those things are. Power is responsibility because you know I control everything in my life. Yes, things can still happen, but I still have the power to try to work within those parameters. God forbid you get stricken with some disease or something, there's still things you can do about it. Or you can just lay down and die and blame the disease and say, well, I guess this is, this is it. Personal responsibility doesn't mean, an extreme ownership doesn't mean that there's not somebody out there that's doing something that's impacting you. It means that they don't don't give them too much power that it doesn't matter what they do if ultimately you take the ownership back.
because there's always going to be outside forces. There's always going to be acts of God and, and nature. There's always going to be an adversary. There's always going to be somebody that cuts you off in traffic. But they tell you when you're learning to drive, to be a defensive driver. That's not victim blaming. That's called taking responsibility. Some would say that that's, well, you're blaming the person that is the result of some other bad driver. No, I'm a motorcyclist. And so motorcyclist, any, anybody that's out there that, that rides a motorcycle knows most people don't see you. Most people don't respect you. They're changing lanes. They're pulling out in front of you. They don't understand that you don't have the same capabilities as a car. And if you wreck in a motorcycle, the chances of you being hurt are a lot more than being in a car. That's for sure. So you have to take responsibility. If you sit there and say, oh, I need everyone else to be a better driver. You're just signed your own death certificate as a motorcyclist, especially if you live in a bigger city. If you don't take personal responsibility for people on their cell phones, <laughs> that's, that's a big thing. You don't realize how many people are on their cell phones while they drive until you ride a motorcycle. You'll notice it all the time. So I try to live my life like I'm on that motorcycle. I can't control that person, <coughs> excuse me, slamming on their brakes, changing lanes erratically, pulling out in front of me, but I can fix my following distance, making sure to cover my brake anytime I see someone at an intersection, making sure that I'm aware and looking far enough ahead to see any obstructions in the road. There's certain things that you have to do as a motorcyclist, just to come back in one piece. Apply those principles to your dog training and say, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Is that going to lead to this? I'm not doing this. Is that going to lead to this? And try to see those problems. And then when you make a mistake, and you will, just like I will again, I have and I will, if you have that philosophy, you will take responsibility and you will come up, uh, you, will, you will find the solution very quickly and you will eradicate that problem almost as quickly as it arised in the first place because you took responsibility for your part. That is the best thing. To me, that is the number one life hack is taking extreme ownership and saying, you know, there is no bad team. There's only bad leaders. Like I can't blame my team. I got to blame myself. And if I have that bad of a team, then I need to get a different team. I need to, I need to switch some people around. I got to retrain people. I, I have to figure out what the problem is, but I can't just not do that and then blame them when I'm the leader. It's the same thing with your dog. Well, my dog did this. It wasn't my fault, but what are you doing to prevent that one thing? And when it did it before, what have you try to do to correct it. And if you can't correct it, take them out of that situation where they won't do that one thing. There's so many things that you can do. But I realized when I was talking to this um, listener on Instagram that I've probably neglected to, to, to talk about that, starting with that philosophy. And if you start with that philosophy, then everything else that all those other little nuggets that you learn from other people 
you realize that they'll work if you take that personal responsibility first and not look for some magic potion and understand that it's going to be hard work, but it's going to be very rewarding. And more than anything, it's going to be extremely powerful for you. It's, it's, uh, it, there's nothing better than feeling empowered in what you're doing and feeling like, I don't know the solution, but I know where to look to find it. That's awesome. And that's a little bit of a reason why I'm doing this podcast is I want you guys to have that great experience that I have with my dog. You know, it used to be 50-50 where I'd have good days, bad days. He would act up all the time. There'd be fights. There'd be, there's, there were so many things that it, it just shifted very quickly. It just seemed like that my dog was being reactive. It was growling. It, was, it, it did the same thing that this um, listener said that his dog was doing, growling at him being reactive when he got close to the food, you know, all that stuff. I've, I've dealt with that. And I can tell you right now, being on the other end of it, where every single day it's so rare that I have any issue with Romulus. He's such a good dog. But he, he had to be developed into that. And I couldn't develop him into that if I didn't first fix my mistakes because I was the one making so many mistakes. And if I wasn't introspective, then all those outside things that I saw as negative, I would have just blamed them and instead of taking responsibility. And I can tell you right now as a human being, I go down that road sometimes too. I absolutely do. Where it's like, well, this person didn't have control of their dog. Well, this person, you know, and I got to always catch myself and go, okay, let me, you know, I might vent about that. You'll hear me, you know, talk about that from time to time. But I ultimately never, ever believe that I have any control over fixing that stuff. I know that I got to put certain controls in place knowing that those people are out there. It's like I said, it's not that they're not wrong. If someone is texting and driving and you see them and you continue to be in a car right next to them and three blocks, you go three more blocks seeing that they're in your, you're trying to get them not to text and drive, but they are not listening. All of a sudden they crash into you. You can say, well, it's because that person was texting and driving, or you can say, I acknowledged it. I can't. And I try to fix it. I couldn't. So I backed off and I switched lanes and went a different route. That is what I'm saying. You can try to fix other people, but it is an exercise in futility most of the time. You can't fix people by yelling at them. Just look at Twitter. (laughs) You, You cannot fix people like that. Much like dogs, you can't just berate a dog and scream at them and intimidate them. Sooner or later, they're gonna fight back. No, how you change people is you got to change their hearts by motivating and inspiring them, giving them purpose, motivation, and direction. If you inspire somebody, you don't have to convince them in a angry way, in a shaking your finger, you are the scum of society way. No, you, you 
have to be, know, and do is what we call it in the army. But you got to be that. And you can inspire other people to be like you through your actions. Not by telling them, but by being it. By knowing it. By doing it. And it's very similar to with your with your canine companion. You got to be that leader. You got to you got to be that. And that discipline and structure, the more disciplined and structured you are with yourself, it's going to be easier to be disciplined and structured with them. So, that's really all I have for this week. Is I like I said, I want to change it up a little bit. This was a little bit different. I apologize if it wasn't as entertaining or isn't as informative. Um, but you always got to ask the question, why? You always got to understand the why. You're doing this, but why are you doing this? And it's a very philosophical way of thinking, like Socrates did in ancient Greece, where he really drilled down into the why to really have a deep understanding of issues. So much to the point where by using his method of questioning, if the person didn't answer correctly, he would not even debate them because he understood they weren't at the same level as him. And he also used it to understand if he had a good understanding of uh, that topic. And if, and if he drilled down to the second or third layer and his argument got a little thin, he understood that it might have been a little bit more of an emotional argument and not a logical argument. And that's what philosophy is, you know, is that you're looking for, um, you know, you're seeking logic, logical explanations. Seeking truth. So, anyway, got a little deep. If you would like to reach out to me, you could do it on Instagram. You can check out Romulus, some videos. There's a video uh, of him kicking the crap out of me, <laughs> wrestling. First thing in the morning, he likes to jump on me and uh, wrestle. He gets so excited to see me in the morning. Um, and I'm one of those people, my guilty habit with my dog is I like to roughhouse with him. I like to wrestle with him. That's why I have a big dog. I, I enjoy it. Like I have bite marks all over me. Um, and like you'll hear people say, how do you get your dog to stop biting? That's probably my one thing that I'm, I, I have not trained well in my dog. He doesn't bite my wife. He doesn't bite other people. Um, but I allow him to bite me. But you can see if you watch that video, he doesn't, he, he doesn't do it to hurt me. Uh, it's not a hard bite and he stops as soon as I tell him to. But I like to I like to do that with my dog because that's how dogs play. They communicate with their mouths, and so that's if you do it correctly. If you if you understand why they're doing that, then it's not a bad thing. You don't always have to discourage that. You don't want them to tear your clothes. You don't want them to do it out of excitement or reactivity. You can let them do it. That's how they play. When they you know get a ball or they're playing tug, they're using their mouth. So it's very confusing if if you don't let them ever use their mouth for anything. So you just got to have those parameters. And if they understand that you're the boss applesauce, then you can always tone it down if you need to. But um, 
Anyway, you can see videos like that on my Instagram, the Connie Corso X on Instagram, the Connie Corso X. Um, that's the best way to reach out to me if you have a comment, you have a question, you have something that I would like um, that that um, maybe a topic to cover. Um, and hold on a second, let me look look up. Um, so let's see. Akdia, huh? Okay, so I think this guy's in a band. He looks like a rocker. But um, if you reach out to me on uh, Instagram like this, um, this fine listener did, just know if I use your question, um, I'm not trying to uh, poke holes in anything. I'm not trying to put you on blast. What I'm trying to do is help. And it's not just helping you, but helping other people that have similar things. It doesn't mean I'm always right. Like I said, I'm not a professional anything. I'm just somebody that puts, uh, I'm, I, I'm a professional, um, how about this? I'm extremely thoughtful in everything that I do, meaning I put a lot of thought into it. I, I don't just make a knee-jerk reaction. I really, really put a lot of effort into making sure that I'm uh, I'm doing the best job that I can do. So I'll do the research, I'll do the homework, and I learn from trial and error in my experiences. But I also understand how to be critical of myself. Um, so don't ever take it um, as a as a kick in the uh, as a kick in the balls if I'm being somewhat critical. All I'm trying to do is help you come up with solutions. That's it. Um, but thank you for uh, allowing me to talk about it on the show. To anybody out there that has sent me a question, um, if I told you that I'll get to it in a future show, then I will. I only have so much time in each show. But um, a lot of questions, I you know, if I've if I've uh, dealt with them before, I might just reference you to a podcast where I've talked about it. Um, but if it's something that I feel is worthy of a, a deep discussion and a deep dive, then I'm I'm always going to profile it on these airwaves because I think it's a little bit easier medium than just sending a message back. So thank you guys for listening. And as always, be kind to man's best friend. Peace. Thank you.